what is going on, guys? Welcome to the Mind vs. Muscle podcast today. It is a solo run, and it's me, your boy, Cody Boom Boom McBroom here, and I am by myself. No Theo Bowie, no Michael France. It is just me, and I'm going to run through um, a basic podcast. I want to kind of keep it short and just bring as much info as possible because um, what I've noticed a lot in the forum is we get a lot of nutrition questions, right? But a lot of times the nutrition questions are all surrounded around the same concept, theory, or goal, essentially, of trying to get leaner, trying to remove body fat, trying to see more muscle or build more muscle, and actually trying to stay that way. So I want to talk about the sustainable way of getting ripped. And what I mean by this is is finding a way to actually get really lean and then staying that way. Because a lot of times we see these ways to get ripped, and it's a quick fix. It's a 30-day cut. It's a 12-week cut, whatever it may be, and it gets you an insane result. But then you can't sustain it because you feel like dog shit, to be frank. So what we're going to talk about today is simple. I want to t- teach you guys a little bit more about um, – we're actually going to go into a little bit of nutrition and a little bit of training. Um, but there is definitely more nutrition to be discussed because I think at the end of the day, that is the biggest key to getting lean. Most people – you can get away with training uh, – in not the smartest way. Obviously, optimal programming is going to lead to much better results. You're going to build way more muscle, build way more strength, and you're going to burn more calories if that's your goal to burn fat. But at the end of the day, like the biggest key to actually getting ripped, getting shredded, getting jacked, or just looking really lean is always going to come down to your diet. So we're going to cover diet first, and then I'm going to dig into some training stuff. Okay. So like I said, I'm just going to be running through stuff. And the great part about this is is I don't have either of those assholes to interrupt me today. So your boy gets to rant a little bit. I get to talk as much as I want, and I get to run through things the way I like to do it. So what we're going to talk about today, how to get ripped, how to sustain it. Let's get right into uh, the biggest principles of nutrition. Okay, We'll start with nutrition. So the biggest thing we want to focus on with nutrition is actually not what you think it's going to be. See, I see a lot of people who the first thing they want to do when they're trying to get really lean or even create a diet of any kind is figure out their macros, right? They want to get their calories. They want to get their macros and I get it and that's okay. But at the end of the day, that's not exactly how we want to go about this right off the get go. I actually like to start with a little bit more of a simple process or a simple strategy, if you will, that is a lot less complicated, but it takes a little bit more work. And in doing so, you're actually going to create a better balance of calories, but you're going to do a couple things. Now, instead of dancing around, I'm just going to come out with it. 90-10 rule is the number one thing we got to focus on before anything else, right? So obviously, as I run down these steps and these processes, these rules of getting ripped and sustaining it, there are going to be some people listening to it and go, oh, I already do that. Cool. That's great. You can skip on to the next thing. But We're going to run uh, through the most important things as they go, and you're probably going to hear me talk about a bunch of random shit along the way that's going to help you um, get lean and sustain those results. And I'm just going to break down a lot of nutrition facts when it comes to getting ripped. So the first one is the 90-10 rule. And what I mean by this is that 90% of your diet should actually be what I call paleo-ish. And what I mean by this is like it should be a hybrid paleo diet for the most part. That means 90% of your diet is completely revolved around whole foods that are unprocessed. So whole unprocessed foods, natural foods, foods from the ground. I would say like if it was grown from the earth or it ever had a face, you should be consuming it. Meaning if it's real plant-based, so it's coming from the ground, or it was alive at one point, you should be eating it. Okay, So 
I will get into a small section um, for vegetarians and what they can do in this case, but for the most part, like we want to think about protein and produce. So 90% of your diet should be paleo. And the reason being is there's a lot of unhealthy fat sources and they all essentially come from processed foods, processed items. Like there's not a single fat out there that is 100% natural from the earth that is shitty for you. And it comes down to olive oil, coconut oil, grass-fed butter, um, all the different tree nuts, uh, avocado, salmon, fish oil, stuff like that. Like all of them are great for you, eggs, everything. So this eliminates a lot of the processed junk that causes a lot of issues, not only on the body fat side, but also on the disease side and the illness side and the immune response side. Um, the next reason is carbs. Typically, People can get away with some processed carbs, but at the end of the day, we got to remember that whole foods are always going to digest and absorb in our body better. So if we're getting majority of our carb sources, 90% of them from things like sweet potatoes, we are going to be much better off. And then when you do veer off of those things, you should be looking at things like rice and oats and quinoa and buckwheat and things that are actually going to be broken down a little bit easier um, than our processed sugars. The big thing here is we want to eliminate all the bullshit Stop eating donuts and candy. You're not a fucking child. So that's the biggest key here, right? So, um, and, and again, we're, we got to remember that if we can keep 90% of our diet paleo, we are more likely actually to be able to consume more calories. The reason being is the food that we're eating are going to be processed, digested, and absorbed a lot better because there isn't any artificial crap in there that's going to stop that process from happening, right? And there's no artificial sugars. There's no heavily processed sugars in there that are going to stop that from happening, cause immune responses, cause gut issues, cause digestion issues, cause outbreaks, cause energy crashes, cause all these things that we actually do not want to have happen when we're trying to get lean, okay? So if we stick to these natural food foods and we stick to like paleo style eating for 90% of the time, we don't have to worry about that. And what happens is when our body and our digestion and our gut and our brain and all these things are functioning at a much higher and optimal level, we can consume more calories without storing them as body fat. And as everybody listening to this probably knows, if we can consume more calories while losing body fat, we are much more likely to perform at a higher level and maintain, if not gain, more muscle mass. Okay, so right off the get-go, if, if you're looking to get lean and stay lean, the first thing you can do is take 90% of your diet and make sure that it is paleo. Right, and then there's exceptions to paleo. Right, if you like eating paleo, but you do absolutely fine with brown, brown and white rice and, and grains like oatmeal and stuff that are actually as natural as you can get when the, in the grain family, then cool, eat those. Don't worry about it. If you do well with black beans and green beans and stuff like that, cool, eat those too. Those aren't paleo, but if you can reduce your diet to a paleo diet and then slowly implement those things in and notice that you actually do not react poorly to any of them then fuck it, keep them in there because we don't want to take out a bunch of stuff that, too much stuff, I should say, that you enjoy eating and make the diet that much harder to adhere to. Because again, like I said, the goal of this podcast is to break down how to get ripped and sustain it, not just get ripped and then lose it right away. Okay? So the next thing I'm going to talk about, um, and, and, and now that I'm looking at my notes, honestly, this, <laughs> this is not a step-by-step process. This is just facts on facts of how to get ripped and stay ripped. Um, so I suggest if you haven't already, pull out your notepad and be writing these things down, okay? The next thing I got on this list is dairy. Now you might be thinking, I just said, eat paleo, but 
if you like blah 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 then put it back in if you don't react well well here's the thing is dairy is extremely likely to cause a very very mild amount of inflammation now certain people have insane carb tolerance and i know dairy is not a carb but there is lactose in there and that is a type of sugar which is a type of carb so these people relate to this this concept right here but a lot of people have carb tolerance or really high carb tolerance or they just have fucking iron guts right they can just take through anything now one thing i will say about that is is don't take advantage of it because like theo is a good example of this that dude could I, i've watched him run through a fucking box of Krispy cream donuts i've seen him run through wings and ribs and just like anything right like two full fucking t-bone steaks like crazy shit but he took too much advantage of that and sooner or later his gut started having a lot of issues because he was just mowing through food with no fucking remorse, right? And now he's paying the consequence and now he actually has to watch his diet a lot more. So what I would say is even if you do have an iron gut, don't take too much advantage of it. Utilize it a little bit so you can get some extra calories in there, but don't don't focus on it too much. Now, the thing with dairy is majority of people, um, I, I don't have a percentage, but it would be safe to say that 75% or more of people have a slight amount of uh, intolerance to dairy, right? They have some type of lactose intolerance. And the, and the reason being is simple. We are human beings and we are not created to consume another mammal's dairy, right? And, and when we are about, I'm going to fuck this up because I don't have kids, but too bad Theo's not here. But when the baby, I want to say is like, I'm just going to throw out a wild guess. People are going to laugh at this. Three to eight months, unless I'm right. Three to eight months, the baby stops breastfeeding. At this point, the baby actually stops producing specific enzymes that allow it to digest, absorb, and break down the nutrients from the mother's milk. So after that point, we are not really meant to consume dairy. It's just the way our bodies were designed to survive in the wild, essentially, right? So that's one reason, right? So we don't want to overconsume dairy because of that. Now, dairy is a good source of protein, uh, but so is eggs, so is chicken, so is turkey, so is fish, so is steak, so is so many different things. So keep it moderate if you're going to do it. Now, if you really want to get ripped and you want to maintain that, I do I suggest lowering dairy and I don't care who you are because there's always going to be a mild amount of inflammation inside of your body and you might not even feel it, but typical athletes who are performing at high levels who track every single weight they lift, they're tracking sprint times, they're tracking uh, performance from like CrossFit and powerlifting, um, or even if you're just a, a serious gym rat like me and you track your performance, consume more dairy th than you're used to and watch to see how it happens. Take notes on how your joints feel and stuff. You will get some inflammation, not to mention inflammation inside of your gut and digestive tract, which could cause some issues in your gut that with digestion, but it could also cause some brain fog because you can also get inflammation in the brain. Now, this isn't to say you eat a Greek yogurt and you're fucked and you're going to shit your pants, not be able to think, and your lifting is going to go to hell. But it is to say that there is going to be a mild amount of inflammation. And some people don't really notice it because they don't know any better. But again, we're trying to get ripped here. So if we're going to get ripped and sustain it, I do suggest lowering the amount of dairy at the, at the very least. And, and when you do consume dairy, make sure that you are getting uh, real good sources of dairy. Like go find organic farms, go find like the real deal. And it's it's probably gonna be better to get real organic dairy from grass up cows and stuff like that with actual fat inside of it instead of stuff that's extracting all the fat and implementing other things to make it taste like it has fat in it. Um, the last reason we're gonna talk about dairy is because there's not a lot of studies on this, but there's been a lot of uh, experiments and, and uh, experiences and just uh, 
I guess, testimonies from clients and, and athletes and, and other coaches I know of who actually can contest this as well. But your ability to breathe actually lowers uh, quite a bit if you're over-consuming dairy. So your oxygen intake and your, your ability to take in and utilize high levels of oxygen while performing at a high level. Again, like let's use CrossFit for an example. When you're doing, or even just Metcon training for example, when you're doing those kind of workouts and you're pushing extremely hard and you need uh, your breathing to be on par, you need your breathing to be on point, you need oxygen intake to be as flawless as possible so you can perform, dairy can actually lower that. So people will notice that if they cut out dairy or they lower it significantly, they'll actually be able to breathe and uh, perform at a little bit higher of a level. Okay. So the next part we want to go to is we're going to kind of put salt and water together. A, a big thing, I don't, and I don't know what the fuck happened with this, but at some point, Mrs. Dash came along and fucked up the salt game. So screw you, Mrs. Dash. But everybody thinks that you need to be sodium free in order to uh, lose weight. Now, there are, and here's the issue, is there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of foods, specifically processed foods that are very high in sodium. And the issue is, is if we put salt free on it, people assume it's healthier because they associate salt with highly processed foods or shit like McDonald's and fast food or very, uh, like when they uh, inject, like, I mean, I hate the fucking shout out. Actually, I'm not going to uh, a specific Netflix documentary, but when they um, inject like chicken breasts and all these things with tons of sodium to make it last longer and stuff, it's not good for you. But at the end of the day, if you're getting real table salt, real, real sea salt, um, and you're implement like things like pink Himalayan salt, it's great for you. And, and if you implement that stuff, you're actually going to be able to have better electrolytes. You're going to have better hydration. You're going to be able to store more carbohydrates and water inside the muscle, not as fat, inside the muscle, which is going to help you recover, perform, and outlift yourself every single time, which is always going to lead to less fat in your body, which is always going to lead to a more ripped physique. So I do not suggest cutting out salt. And here's the thing with salt, guys. Like when you first implement this, and I literally will suggest people like adding a tablespoon, for example, um, uh, not a tablespoon, I'm sorry, a teaspoon, like a quarter of a teaspoon, uh, maybe even a half teaspoon, very, very little amount on a few meals a day. Like take your pink Himalayan salt or even just take a little pinch and throw it on. That's what I do. I take a, one or two pinches and I throw it on what I cook, my meats, my eggs, everything. Now, when you first implement this, you're going to get bloated because your body's going to retain water. You might get bloated. You might not even look or feel bloated. You might just notice the scale go up. Don't trip because the, the thing about your body is it's highly adaptable in adapting to salt levels essentially and, and this is a good thing and this is how you stay healthy and this is how you perform this is how you stay hydrated and all these things so the key is to do so and uh wait for it to kind of accumulate i guess you should say like the first few days you might feel bloated but after a while your body will adapt and you notice those scale will go down you'll stop retaining less so much water and you'll actually just start retaining the water and the carbs and the glycogen inside the muscle cell in a beneficial way not overdoing it so i actually recommend if you want to get ripped and stay ripped start adding salt but what i would suggest is adding pink himalayan salt because pink himalayan salt has so many nutrients and minerals in it that help a wide variety of things from like your skin to your insulin sensitivity to actually being able to absorb and digest carbohydrates. So adding them to carbohydrate-based meals is helpful. There's a lot of a lot of benefits to pink Himalayan salt. So look that up and get on it. Um, water intake. I think people overdo this or underdo it. Some people just don't drink any water at all um, and then it gets hot and they get super dehydrated and they can't perform. So you've got to understand that 
when it gets hotter, when the climate changes, you need to adapt with the climate and you need to consume more water so you do not get hydrated. Water is actually one of the top fundamental keys to actually energy. So a lot of people just assume it's it's a good way to not get dehydrated and it's just healthy for losing weight and it helps your body digest and blah, blah, blah. Um, but we got to remember that water is actually a huge help in energy. So what I do before training, for example, is I will drink a ch I'll chug down a big thing of water and then I will um, have a little bit of black coffee. So I have a little bit of caffeine and I have a good size water bottle and I can easily feel the difference in my energy. And I guarantee if you try that out as well, you'll notice the same exact thing. The next thing I want to talk about is actually before we get off water, let's talk a little bit deeper on this because people seem to overdo this. People think you need to drink two fucking gallons a day. And unless you're hiking through a desert, you do not need that much fucking water or if you're a fucking camel. So what you want to focus on is literally getting – take your body weight, cut it in half. So let's say a 200-pound male cuts his body weight in half. That's 100 fluid ounces. That's going to be a solid amount plenty for training. Now, if you're sedentary, you might not need as much. Now, here's the thing. is If you get a gallon, which is 126 fluid ounces – it's not going to kill you. Um, it might benefit you. Um, it, it's it's really not the end of the world. But we got to remember too is if you follow the first thing I stated, which was eating a paleo-ish diet, you're consuming so much water from food. Shit, vegetables are 80 to 85% water. Fruit is too. Uh, even meat is 60 to 65% water. So we got to remember that we're already consuming water. Not to mention if you drink some coffee, even though it's a diuretic, some of that liquid is still retained and consumed as water for hydration. So there's there's plenty of other things going on that can allow you to consume water. So take your body weight, split it in half, get that minimum, and, and you'll be solid with water. But the combination of that and salt is super important for keeping your muscles full, keeping your performance on top, and continuing to lose body fat. And we gotta remember, on top of everything I'm saying, if you're eating that paleo-ish diet, you're eating your fiber, you're getting everything like you need to, water is key for digesting those foods. Water is key because it binds to fiber and helps fiber actually function. So you need to focus on that, okay? Just had to hydrate from my water. Shit. When it's just me on the podcast, I get a dry mouth because I've just been fucking ranting. Anyway, next we're going to talk about inflammation, okay? So there's there's a lot circling inflammation, um, and, and the reason I want to talk about it is Inflammation is is everywhere in your body. You can have joint inflammation, you can have gut inflammation, you can have brain inflammation, um, you can have inflammations in your tendons, your ligaments. But no matter where the inflammation is, it can directly slow down fat loss and muscle gain because it, it hinders your performance. Whether it's hindering your digestion or your absorption of nutrients, not allowing your body to pass it on or utilize it for fuel instead storing as fat, or it's inflammation in your brain which is causing fog and mental clarity so you can't perform the way you need to perform um, or it's inflammation in the joints so you can't actually lift the way you want to lift inflammation is key so there's a couple things we want to take away here if we're already following that 90% paleo-ish diet we've already removed a lot of inflammatory foods um, and that's including the dairy like I talked about it's including the beans it's including the grains so most likely you're, you're reducing that a lot. Now, if you still have inflammation, it could be related to something else or it could be just from years of eating improperly. So what we want to do here is actually supplement with a couple things. The water intake will help, but we want to supplement with turmeric or curcumin um, in probably double what the, the pill bottle says. The key here is, the, is specific though. You need to consume it 
while you're eating pepper. Black pepper has specific nutrients inside it that actually allow your body to transport and absorb the nutrients for, from curcumin. Curcumin is just the extract from turmeric. But if we take turmeric and we just drink it down with water or we eat it with uh, a salad that has zero black pepper on it, we are very unlikely to actually absorb that. Okay, there's a lot of processes in the body that utilize other things. For example, vitamin D, um, I believe, is a fat-soluble vitamin. Um, it's either water or fat-soluble. I'm almost positive it's fat-soluble. But what this means is if we consume vitamin D without any fat in that meal, we are very unlikely to consume any, if not none of it. So the key here is, is when you take vitamin D, take it with a meal that has fats in it or with your fish oil or whatever it may be. So the same goes with curcumin. When you take curcumin or you have turmeric root, you need to consume it with black pepper because black pepper has a specific nutrients that will help kind of transport that nutrient to your body. Um, and, it, and it literally works wonders. There's plenty of uh, curcumin supplements and some of them are specifically made for inflammation so they have the right dosage. Um, I don't know any off the top of my head. I have now foods which are now sports or now supplements or whatever, orange bottle, um, which works totally fine. It's a great brand but you do need to take way more um, than the pill bottle says because it's not specifically meant for inflammation or they just underdose the hell out of it which a lot of supplements do. The next one is fish oil. Get your fish oil in or eat fatty fish, but you need to have at least 1.5 to 3 grams of EPA slash DHA, combined EPA and DHA, um, in order to actually get enough to reduce inflammation significantly, which is also going to lead to better insulin sensitivity. It's going to lead to better nutrient absorption. It's actually going to lead to better muscle protein synthesis. So when you take that, you can actually get more out of your protein as well. So fish oil is, is a wonderful supplement that a lot of people need to get on if they're not taking it, and, and they should be taking it daily. I take anywhere between four to eight pills a day which seems like a fuck ton, but it's exactly what you really need to actually get the, all the benefits, right? So do not skip out on the fish oil. All right, so we're going to pass inflammation. The next thing we're going to talk about is carbs. A lot of people do one thing, and you can probably guess what I'm about to say. When they do one thing with carbs when they want to cut. They cut them. And the issue with that is when you cut carbs, your body starts performing. So you need to make a decision here. Are you going ketogenic? If the answer is no, don't cut your carbs super low. We want to have a decent amount of protein, which I'm going to talk about, but we need to have a decent amount of carbs as well. So there's a couple of things we want to do with carbs. One, we want to stick to the paleo-ish carbs. If your body tolerates grains, try to stick to as natural of grains as possible. The the least the uh, the less processed we can go with any of our food, the better off we're going to be, and the leaner we're going to get, the more muscle we're going to build, the better we're going to feel inside and out. And I fucking guarantee you. So stay away from processed carbs as much as you can. Um, and when you do, eat things like white rice because white rice is processed, but it's still easily digestible, okay? If you're not going to go all paleo and you're fine with grains, eat stuff like white rice. Don't eat fucking candy and Twinkies and Oreos and all this if it fits your macro shit that is really unhealthy for you. And I understand that calories in versus calories out is a big key component to this, which I haven't even mentioned yet because a lot of people focus on calories, but they're so unhealthy they can't lose weight because they're missing all these things I'm talking about that they actually don't get the results they want because they're eating this crap. So anyway, before I go on a hate rant on if it's your macros, carbs, don't skip them. You need them, okay? You need them to perform. Now, I can't give you exact amount. Typically, um, I, I will say that typically people can consume their body weight in carbs and be totally fine and still lose a lot of body fat. But I can't say that for sure because I don't know who I'm talking to on this call specifically. 
So when we're consuming carbs, we want to have a decent amount. And, and the best way to go is have veggies in every single meal. Veggies are carbs, but they're almost like free carbs. You should be eating them no matter what kind of diet you're on. So have veggies in every single meal, specifically greens, but you should be getting some colors in there too. Then you're going to want to do a serving of carbs before and a serving of carbs after your workout. Okay, This is key for not only recovery and performance, but also your hormonal levels. It's going to help you take advantage of growth hormone. It's going to help you keep cortisol in control. And it's going to help you keep the stress hormones and uh, as well as the muscle building hormones in balance, in sync, in control, um, and not going out of whack. Right. So we know that if we're constantly high stress, high cortisol, we're going to be affected in a negative way when we're trying to build or maintain muscle and burn, especially burn body fat. So you want to keep cortisol under control. And one of the ways is we can surround our training with our carbohydrates. This is also an easy way to make sure that um, uh, our insulin sensitivity is being utilized as good as possible. Because while we train, our insulin sensitivity goes up. So if we consume carbs before, when we go into that training session, our body's going to utilize them better. And when we eat carbs after, our body's going to utilize those carbs better as well because our insulin sensitivity is higher. And all this means is our body's more likely to absorb them and shove them into the muscle cells to build muscle, replenish tissue, and uh, recover better versus storing as body fat. Now, the, the one of the big things that a lot of studies show is it may not be so much that um, carb cycling or carb timing or anything is – not. I shouldn't say carb timing, but um, workout carbs are the big key. I think the big key – is that we don't want constant insulin spikes throughout the day, right? We want to actually spike them high at a certain time and then bring them back down. So we almost want to call it carb coupling or carb partitioning or carb timing where we have carbs within a two to four hour window, two to five hour window, and then we actually don't have a ton of carbs the rest of the day. This is going to help the inflammation. It's going to help our health. It's going to help body fat. It's going to help build muscle. It's going to help all this stuff that I've been talking about this whole time. But the big key here is, is if we can have our insulin uh, or we can have our carbs timed when our insulin is most sensitive, we're by far going to benefit uh, the most. And then we can bring them back down. Um, and then that brings me to fats. You cannot skip out on fats. Now, for the most people, you got to understand you can't have a high fat, high carb diet. You have to have one or the other. So you need to decide what your body functions better on and go with that. So if you're doing a high fat diet, you may want to consider having a little bit of pre-workout carbohydrates to make sure you go into the uh, session with fuel and that your body will kick in the insulin sensitivity and utilize it during the training session. And then you don't have any afterwards because all your meals are going to have more fats than uh, somebody who's on a high carb. Now, if you're on a high carb diet, you can pretty much take out the fats from your pre and post workout and have double the carbs and then just place fats in the meals surrounding your other day, parts of your day. So if you have four meals, for instance, Meal one uh, is fats and protein. Meal two is a pre-workout. You have carbs and protein. Meal three is a post-workout. You have carbs and protein. And meal four, you have fats and protein at a higher level again. And a little bit of fats in those pre- and post-workouts is fine. But you just got to make sure that you're having a balance and you're not trying to do high-fat, high-carb because you do need to just have one. Um, so that's the big thing with carbs, guys. Like I can't stress this enough because I've had so many people just try to cut carbs and they lose three to five pounds in the first week and they think it's a miracle but really all that's doing is they're losing water and some of that water is coming from the muscle so they don't have a pump they have way less energy they don't have as much performance in the gym um, and they don't have as much muscle tissue essentially because muscle tissue is composed of carbs and water so do not skip on water do not skip on carbs that's, I can't stress that enough all right next we're going to talk about protein with protein the easiest thing for me to say is just 
eat your body weight in protein. I think that the media overhypes the hell out of this and people consume way too fucking much protein and it can really mess up your digestive tract. Now, it's it's not lethal or dangerous. I mean, they've done studies where people are eating double their body weight in protein um, or three times their body weight in kilograms. And to be honest with you, there was no detrimental effects whatsoever besides I like extreme gas, uh, digestive issues that can be harmful to the gut. It's just too much. And, and we got to remember, protein is important to have a high amount. And by high amount, I mean your body weight protein. So I weigh 165 to 170 pounds. That's a good amount of protein. And, and we got to remember too that protein has the highest thermic effect of food, which simply means it's the, the hardest macronutrient for our body to break down. And because of that, it takes more calories, it takes more energy, it takes more work. So you gotta think, how much work do you wanna put your body through? If you're consuming way more than your body weight in protein, it's gonna be harmful to your gut because it's doing too much. Now, the upper limit is gonna be 1.2 grams per pound. So that's me eating about 190, 200 pounds or 200 grams of uh, protein, which is not gonna be harmful. It's not gonna be more beneficial than 170 to 175, but it's gonna be totally fine if I wanna do that. So it's kind of like a preference thing. But the big key here is to split protein evenly throughout your meals. So assuming you're not intermittent fasting, and for this example, you're, you're eating five meals a day, you need to focus on having 25 to 45 grams of protein per meal per day that will ultimately equal up to your total body weight in protein for the day. And the reason being is we want to spike muscle protein synthesis every three to five hours. And that's why technically it doesn't matter about eating six meals a day. I don't even think that's more beneficial. And most studies will actually say three to five meals is probably going to be the best bet. Now, if we spike muscle protein synthesis, the upper limit being 40, 45 grams. So let's say we have three or four meals a day with 40 grams of protein. We are in the most optimal, optimal range for muscle protein synthesis. Now, nobody should wake up in the middle of the night and drink uh, a protein shake. And I say that because some people will listen and be like, oh shit, so if I just keep consuming protein every couple hours, it'll be more beneficial. Not necessarily because we don't want to oversensitize ourselves. We want to desensitize ourselves. So having that 8 to 12 hour fast where we're sleeping and, and not eating anything is actually really beneficial to our body's ability to keep muscle protein synthesis active and powerful when we do get that spike in that that feeding okay um i mean shit protein I and mean, we need it for cell production and growth we need it for muscle tissue satiation it's the most satiating nutrient you could possibly eat so if we're trying to get lean and we have enough protein we're way less likely to crave or snack on foods because we're staying full throughout the day um, we actually need it for enzyme production hormonal balance uh bones cartilage blood production everything so there's there's a whole bunch of functions that our body needs protein for um, but the biggest one for dieting is keeping our calories up Keep them, keeping muscle maintained and keeping muscle tissue being recovered and rebuilt so we can constantly maintain and or build more muscle um, and obviously stay satiated while we're in a calorie deficit so we can lose body fat, okay? So you need to have protein. Don't overdo it. You only need a gram per pound, maybe even a little less. Split it up evenly between your meals and get it from real good sources. That's the last thing I'll leave you with on protein. If you're going to consume protein, try to get it from a source that has high leucine. Leucine is the most important, debatably, the most important branch chain amino acid. Now, it's important that all the amino acids are in the source because it'll help leucine convert. But I don't even know if there is a protein that doesn't have the other amino acids in it. So the key is, is having a protein source that is high in leucine because that's the biggest contributor to muscle protein synthesis spiking. So that's why whey protein is so beneficial. That's why... 
Greek yogurt. That's why eggs are so beneficial. Um, chicken and turkey and meats are really high in leucine, which is why it's harder to be a vegan or a vegetarian and gain muscle. It's because of this exact fat. So if you are a vegan or vegetarian listeners, try to supplement with either leucine, branched-chain amino acids, or at the very least, a vegan protein powder like pea or hemp or whatever around your training or in between meals so you can get that protein synthesis spike. Next, we're going to talk about fruit. Fruit is funny to me because I don't know what the hell happened, but at some point in time, people demonized the hell out of fruit. And it's got to be the bodybuilders back in the day, but they demonized fruit and they said that you cannot get lean if you are consuming fruit which is complete bullshit. So here's the deal. Every single night when we sleep, we deplete, I wanna say it's 50%, it could be more, 50% of our the glycogen inside of our liver because when we're breathing and we're, and we're replenishing oxygen, blah, 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 we are literally depleting liver glycogen. Now liver glycogen is, is key for our central nervous system, it's key for our brain function, it's key for our skin, it's key, key for so many changes. Uh, to, to build muscle and burn body fat and, and actually to perform and to think. And you got to remember that everything is processed through the liver. So if our liver is not functioning right, there's no way in hell our body's going to detoxify um, and it, it cleanse itself on a regular basis. And it's also not going to uh, help lipolysis, which is the process of fat burning, right? We got to remember that our liver metabolizes a lot of things. And one of those things is fat. So if we're trying to metabolize body fat, which is literally the definition of fat loss, we need our liver to be functioning. So fruit is the fuel for our liver. So we should have one serving of fruit per day. Now I will say the sugar and fruit can add up tremendously. So you really don't need to go over one, two at most servings per day. I see a lot of people who are eat three, four, five servings a day and it can harm fat loss. So I will suggest stick to one serving a day if you're really trying to get shredded. Now, uh, it's also a great source of fiber, specifically like berries and things with seeds. We need fiber on a diet when we're trying to lose weight because if your digestion is on a point, your gut's on a point, and you're not getting fiber, you're not going to be doing very well. Also, we need to remember that micronutrients are a key in our body's performance and, and just hormonal function, literally just day-to-day -day fucking life. And if we don't have those, we will not be able to focus on aesthetics or performance in the gym. So you need to get micronutrients. The last thing about fruit is it can actually help cut cravings. It, it's essentially a sugar in it. If you, like actually this is a good thing to try out. If you have like not been doing a paleo-ish diet and you've been like really eating a lot of junk food and all that stuff, try removing all junk food and all processed sugars for even just like two to three weeks. And then bite into like a Honeycrisp apple or some really ripe strawberries and it'll literally taste like candy. And the cool thing about this is, is you need fruit on a daily basis. One serving is plenty, like I said, especially if we're trying to lean. but this is going to help cut cravings because it gives you that sweet tooth fix that you've been dying for. Um, and it's also going to help just get your fiber intake, right? So, um, and I got a note on here for digestion and nutrient absorption. And the key with that is like, if you do everything I'm talking about on this list so far, your digestion will be so on point because your gut will be so healthy. And if your gut is so healthy, your nutrient absorption is going to be on top of the world. Now we got to remember that nutrient absorption is not only micronutrients like vitamins and minerals and fiber, but it's also carbohydrates and fats and protein. So when we eat something, we got to think about how does our body process that stuff? Is it storing it as fat or is it using it as fuel to burn more fat and to build more muscle and to build more strength and to perform in the gym and to function at a higher level? Because our body has so many processes that need 
the calories, right? Even to our brain, our growing nails and hair and skin. Like we got to remember that nutrients provide the fuel for all this. But if our nutrient absorption and digestion and gut health is shit, it's not going to be very good, which is going to take me to my next point, fasting. So if we look into fasting, a lot of people will think, well, fasting is not eating for a while and you're not going to be consuming food. So you're going to, your muscle is going to die off. But fasting can actually help increase your insulin sensitivity. Um, it can help increase your growth hormone. It can help increase your testosterone. It can help lower cortisol. Um, it can help your adrenals unless you have adrenal fatigue, then you don't want to fast because it's just too much stress on the body. But all these things that it helps do hormonally will only lead to better nutrient absorption, better performance, and, and more, again, utilization of the nutrients you're consuming so you actually use it for muscle and not body fat. So I actually do recommend everybody, like literally everybody fast. Um, and even if you can just do 12 hours a day on most days, because I understand some people wake up super early for work, their schedule doesn't allow it, so on and so forth. If you can't do it longer than 12 hours, try to get 12 hours as many days as you can. Because one of the biggest benefits of it is the simple fact that it gives your body a few extra hours without food. And when this happens... You just give your gut a break. Your gut is constantly working to digest and break down and absorb and extract nutrients. Give it a break. Let it digest and let it get a break from digesting to, to recover so it can actually digest and absorb nutrients better the next day. It'll also help increase your sensitivity to protein. So when we talk about protein synthesis, we found that if you cut out protein, you might actually want to cut out lower protein one day of the week even. Like there's a lot of people who do like meatless Monday or vegan days and I actually find it very beneficial. If you do it once every one to three weeks, you can actually dramatically increase your body's ability to be um, sensitized to protein. So that protein synthesis spike that we need for muscle strength and fat loss will be even better when we do that. So I do recommend fasting or cutting protein down. But um, if you can upwards of 13, 14, 15, 16 hours of fasting, that's when you actually get a good spike of testosterone. You get a good spike of growth hormone, which is a huge way to build muscle and burn fat. So I do recommend fasting. Um, not to mention fasting has like so many benefits. I think I did a podcast. Uh, uh, it might be the last one. I think it was like 97 or something. Me and Michael talked about circadian rhythm. We talked about fasting. I wrote a blog on boomboomperformance.com called uh, like 16... Life-changing benefits, fasting, or maybe it was 11. I can't fucking remember. But the point is, is like it, it's so beneficial from disease prevention to uh, from cancer cells prevention to multiple sclerosis to diabetes to um, insulin sensitivity to um, cell regeneration, so killing off bad cells and rebuilding new cells. Like there's so many benefits that I really, really, really recommend everybody do a little bit of fasting. And if you can only do it one day a week, Give yourself an 18 to 24 hour fast once a week and you will still see those benefits. I guarantee to you. Okay, now we're going to get out of uh, nutrition. So the next one I got on here is sleep. Sleep is probably the most underrated thing. If you do not sleep seven to eight hours a night, your cortisol is immediately going to be higher than normal levels. And when it's higher than normal levels, your body can't do anything that you want it to do, meaning it can't absorb nutrients, it can't provide fuel, it can't build muscle, it can't recover properly, and it cannot burn body fat. You do not want cortisol through the roof. And when your cortisol is through the roof, it's more than likely because of stress. And sleep causes, like lack of sleep causes stress on the body. Um, it's it's this, the most simple thing ever. So if you can turn off the lights a little bit earlier, you can get to bed earlier, and you can sleep eight hours a night, like try this out. 
Don't do anything else that I've talked about and just sleep eight hours a night. Watch yourself lose body fat and drop weight. I guarantee fucking to you. It's it's that profound. And not only that, but your performance will be better, which will aid in better uh, fat loss and muscle gain. And they've actually done studies that show that adherence to a proper eating plan is actually better when you sleep more. And it's not to surprise because your metabolism will be healthier. Your body will be healthier. Your brain will be more clear. You actually have more motivation when you're less tired, which means you'll be more likely to stick and adhere to an good, solid uh, training and and nutrition plan. And on top of that, everything we've talked about will become easier and more applicable when you sleep more. Stress goes through the, like, down so much when you sleep more. Um, I can't, I cannot stress that enough. And we got to remember too, like building muscle, for example, when I'm in the gym doing curls, I'm not building bicep tissue. When I'm sleeping and recovering and not doing shit, that's when I'm building tissue because I have a chance to stop and recover. So, and that's why bodybuilders back in the day used to take so many fucking naps. They would sleep eight hours a day, but they would also take baths. They would take naps. They would do all this stuff. And they were the the buffest people alive. Like, you got to take some, like, merit to what they did. Okay, so next we're going to talk about training splits. Um, the worst thing you can do is a bodybuilding, like, body part split. So, like, Monday is chest day. Tuesday is back day. Wednesday is shoulders. Then you're going to have too many asymmetries. Um, you're going to overdo things. You're, you're, you're not optimizing things the way you should. My recommendation, if you're trying to get ripped, look ripped, so actually have muscle, whether you're a male or female and you're trying to have muscle on your body and have low body fat, you're going to want to do an upper lower split or you're going to want to do a full body split. And you're most likely going to do it four days a week. So that would be upper lower, upper lower, or you would do full body across the board. Two of those sessions, regardless, should be a max effort day. So the intensity is going to be a little bit higher. This is where we go heavier. Um, we take a little bit less respirators. This is your high CNS day. So your central nervous system can get kind of fried on these days. So you want to alternate them with low CNS days. And these are like your bodybuilding days. So even though you're still following the upper lower split or the full body split, you're doing higher reps, you're doing more pump work. This way, we're going to create dense muscle. We're going to create strong muscle. We're going to hit every adaptation and every energy system we can. And we're not. And we're going to have enough frequency that we're hitting our muscles either two all the way up to three or four times a week, which is always going to be more uh, optimal for a natural lifter who is not on steroids. See, when you take steroids, you are constantly anabolic. You're constantly going through muscle protein synthesis, and you're constantly rebuilding tissue. So they can do one brutal chest day per week because they're still growing throughout the entire week. Whereas natural people don't have that benefit. So the the cutoff is at about 36 to 48 hours, I want to say, is when muscle protein synthesis starts to die down from that given muscle. So in that case, if I hit chest on Monday, that means I want to hit it two to four days later at the latest. Because that means that I'm going to be hitting it as the muscle protein synthesis starts to die. So if I'm doing four days a week of upper lower or full body, or even better for a lot of people, you can do an upper lower split and then let's say I want to grow my shoulders, I will add shoulders on my leg days at a low, low frequency or low volume and intensity just to keep the pump in there and keep the blood flow and keep that anabolic response in there. This is going to allow me to constantly have muscle protein synthesis and constantly have a growth and anabolic signal getting sent to those muscles. Um, but the point is that that's going to be the, the absolute best way to build muscle um, and change your physique as a natural athlete. Not to mention um, upper lower splits where you're hitting like everything on your upper body, everything on your lower body, or even a full body is going to burn a lot more fat than a body part split, hands down. Like an arm day doesn't build, burn as nearly as many calories as a day where you're doing front squats and bench press in the same day. Cardio. So my recommendation here is, is 
you're training like an animal like you should be to get ripped, then your CNS is going to be fried. So I actually recommend your cardio be low intensity at first. So what you should do is, is a couple days a week. Actually, I would split it in half. One day a week, you're doing like 20 to 40 minutes, depending on the person, of low intensity cardio. Go on a long walk. The other day, you should be doing something that is very, very low risk for injury and very high energy demanding. This is stuff like prowlers, sled work, kettlebell swings, hill sprints, something high intensity, and you don't want to overdo it. Okay, you, you should probably do 10 rounds, 12 rounds, no more than 15 rounds because you don't need to smoke yourself. You just need to get in, get your heart rate up, give yourself ample amount of time in between sets so you can go all out during those bouts of energy, um, and that's it. So you don't want to overdo this. And that actually leads to my very, very last point, overtraining. A lot of people will go, oh, volume is the key to growth. Volume is the key to changing my physique. And they'll just overdo everything. The one thing I see more than the rest is when we overtrain our bodies, again, cortisol goes through the roof, our stress hormone. So we can't recover optimally because it's just trying to lower stress. Then when cortisol is super high, you actually mess with your circadian rhythm and you cannot sleep. So when we don't sleep, guess what happens? Our cortisol gets even higher and then we can't recover even more. So it's like this revolving cycle when we overtrain and we just do too much. So what I recommend is actually leaving one in the tank on most days. Like there's very, very, very low cases where you actually should be going so hard in the gym that you're just smashed laying on the floor or so dead that you can barely walk. Very, very rarely. Um, the best results I've ever seen is when I actually taper it down a little bit, do a little bit less volume and let my body recover more and I increase the frequency of how often I hit my muscles because I'm a natural athlete. So we got to remember that. The big thing is don't overtrain, but at the same token, don't undertrain. I'm not saying that everybody should should take it easy on themselves and not get, go hard in the gym because at the end of the day, you need to go pretty hard in order to make a, a big change in your body. So that's all I got for you guys today um, on the solo podcast. Get ripped and stay ripped. That's like the biggest key of this. Everything I broke down in here is applicable to damn near everybody who is possibly listening to this. And the big key is is doing it the right way. And I didn't even touch on calories for this specific reason that most people don't actually need to fuck with calories until they do all this stuff. If you do all of this, you're most likely going to get to that shredded lean physique that you want and be able to sustain it without needing to track calories. So the next step after you've been doing all of this would be to track calories. So if you're doing all this and you get to a really lean point and you plateau and you want to go a little further, then you track calories. But at that point, you should probably hire a coach because they can help you adjust along the way. Because adjusting your own macros is hard to deal with a biased opinion. Um, the only thing I want to say left is uh, go check out the Facebook group if you haven't already because everything I talked about today was based off of questions I've been getting a ton in the Facebook team page. And the Facebook team page is awesome because I'm breaking down people's issues. Theo's helping people's form on exercises as well. Mobility questions, nutrition questions, stress questions, lifestyle, funny questions, camaraderie, accountability, recipe guides, everything you can think of for free inside of a dope community of like-minded individuals. So in the show notes, there is a link to it. Um, you can also go to our Facebook and check out the first pinned post and you can get access to it. Um, but check it out now. Um, it is a uh, limited time. So get in there as fast as you can. I will talk to you guys next time. If you love the mind versus muscle podcast, want more free content and you want to support the movement, share this podcast and leave us a five-star rating and review to get your questions answered on the next episode. See the show notes for our social media handles and hashtag mind versus muscle.